0: Hey, welcome back to the Deeper Waters Podcast. We have a very special episode. It's the first interview episode of this season. So without further ado, we have Josiah Rojas on the podcast. So would you like to introduce yourself? Um,
1: My name is Josiah Rojas. Glad to be here. Oh. I was really surprised to be able to be asked to do a podcast. Never done this before. Oh. Yes, yeah. happy to be
0: here. Yes, this dude, he's definitely grown to be a good friend. He's interning at uh, Christian Life Center, which is my home church in Heat, Ohio. And we've just come to have a pretty good friendship after a little bit. He's just, you just have to meet the guy if you have not met him. He's just Josiah. <laughs> <laughs> but he is a great, if phenomenal guy. So can you
1: tell us where you're from uh, for the viewers who don't know you? So I am from California. My church is in Oakland, but I grew up in a city called Hayward. Um it's about anywhere from twenty-five minutes to thirty minutes, depending on how fast you're driving. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just grew up in basically what we call the Bay Area and that's been my home. I'm familiar with that. Um and then
0: you you also help out with um the Spanish
1: interpreting ministry
0: for UPC.
1: Um, so, um, for UBC, um, there are, uh, there's a group of us of coordinators and, um, I help out directing when it comes to here, mostly that has all the events that have happened and, um, either in around California, Oregon area. So, you know, just media. So when it comes to the cameras, um, getting people that do photography, videography. um, So shout out to my friend, Tim, he's, I mean, if you need a videographer that does church events, I mean, he is one of the best people I've ever met. Um, And not just like personality wise, but just as video um, wise, he's, he is like, just a brilliant mind. Tim Ho for the viewers don't know. Um, his name is Timothy Joel. He's from Revival Center in Modesto, California. California. Um, it's Todd Johnson's church. He's he also um, does a lot of media stuff there. That's kind of that's also his job. Um, so he's one of our he's he's probably like my go-to guy if I'm gonna go and ask somebody to do an event when it comes to videography because not only are his friends. An amazing um and his friends that come with him to his conferences amazing teams and they get stuff done really quickly um just like also anybody that does show up with him they just you know, it, humble humbleness goes in an extreme way but being humble and professional at the same time can also sometimes be a hard balance but yeah I mean, they always do it perfectly um yeah, so, but that's kind of our job. We find not only locations, but we find people that are going to be able to thrive in those locations as well.
0: Yes, I love what you said about being humble and professional. I think, and I was just listening to a sermon, I think it was from Gerald Jeffers, but he was talking about like how a lot of us tend to go on the opposite end of humility towards almost like a different form of, he didn't say a different form of pride, but I know I've heard people describe pride not just as, oh, I look up to myself, but even looking down on yourself because it's still about yourself. Yeah. But it's okay to have confidence. Yeah. You know, we have to have confidence in God and who we are because we're sons of God, but we're still, you know, sons of God, and kings and priests. So I just definitely love what you said. But yes, as you mentioned, we have a very multi-talented guy, very involved guy. I've seen him preach. And I just have to give kudos to this guy as somebody who interprets for ASL. It's not Spanish. But he was preaching and interpreting right back to back. He did not need an interpreter. And I know, you know, I've heard multiple bilingual people speak, but it's just—I know that's not—that's not always a natural skill for yeah. people, even if they can speak two different languages. But yes, very involved in that ministry and also in various media capacities.
1: Yeah, so, when, oh, go ahead. When it comes to interpreting, um, my dad's kind of the one that got us into that, um, but the person that really helped me through it was my brother-in-law. Daniel Ramos, he's yeah. at our church. He does pretty much most of the interpreting there, and when it comes to that, like translating for yourself, that back and back, um, I he helped me with a lot of that. He he's he's probably the reason that if I'm any good at it, he's the reason why I'm good. Get, I'm getting there. Yeah.
0: What'd you say? Would you have a major tip that he gave you that was just like?
1: Um. Uh. Well, I I feel that. Um. He always any time that you are talking from a pulpit um, to be confident in what you're saying. Right. And then also if you're going to be translating for yourself, like you can write out a sermon in whatever way, but you also got to be conscious of the, of your knowledge of the other language. So being able to explain any story, any analogy, any part of the Bible, anything that you're preaching about, it all has, it all has to go. Uh, Needs go to be equal. perfectly Needs perfectly be equal. Yeah, yeah equal in in both languages so it can be hard um and then my dad has always pushed us to whenever you're translating for or interpreting for another um man or woman on a pulpit never look at them oh really never look never at them. look at them the people in the crowd you're you, the person if they're preaching in english and you're translating spanish Just because the person next to you is preaching in English doesn't mean that you should be preaching any less in Spanish. The people are. So you're preaching. You're you're just like a conduit. uh, You're just an extension of the person that's right next to you. Right. That is so good.
0: I love that.
1: Uh, so just moving on into the next part.
0: Uh, before we get too deep into your story or anything like that, is there anything that you've been studying in the Bible recently? Any burden that you've had concerning Bible
1: prayer that you just feel like has been prominent in your life right now? Well, I feel like as Christians, we're always, you know, always looking for something um, not necessarily new because, I mean, Bible's ancient, but I mean, it's, and it's, and it's still prominent and always here today, right? Yes. But a living word. Uh, it's a, it's a living word. It's a, it's always, it's, um, what's that, what's that word? It's, um, it, it's always being able to be used in the future, right? Yeah. It's, um, it's generational, you know, yes. it works for every generation, but right now, I think, um, I, I, I've, I've kind of been looking inside of a, like, inside of a perspective of, like, I've seen great men in my, my life pass away already. Yes. And then I'm seeing a lot of elders. Especially this last year, last two years, a lot of people. Seeing a lot of these elders pass away, right? And then, um. I was kind of just going over it and I and going over it and I was just like looking at Jesus and his disciples and stuff like that, and and I, this the story really stuck with me when he was in the garden. I feel like like we, we kind of just like sometimes go past the point of when Jesus was going and praying, and people and they, and his disciples were falling asleep. Yeah, and, and we just go straight to that the part. Right we just go straight to the part where they're fighting and he grabs a ear off the ground and puts it back on the soldier's head. But I think the part that when he's in the garden um part when he's in the garden is so important. Um could you at least pray an hour? <laughs> I feel like that message rings I don't, prominent. I don't think it was and I, I'm I'm actually gonna be preaching about it on um this next coming yes. Wednesday. Um and it's not it's not necessarily that Jesus was asking a lot from them. Yeah. And you know, I played I played sports and I, I remember having to go straight from a football game going straight to church um, just literally cha- changing, taking a shower and getting there on time, you know, um, playing uh, after practice or if it was or if I mean, even during the summer when there was no football, we would go from we would go from camp meeting to a conference to this and that. And then we'd get that Friday night. We would have like a night watch or a visual, depending on what church you're from. Mm-hmm. And we'd be there all night. Yeah, it's like you're not, you're not, you're not going anywhere. You're not going to fall asleep. And right. I remember as a little kid falling asleep on a pew. You know, mom and dad just getting there, just waking up, like, hey, no one else is sleeping. <laughs> you're not either. Um, and so that I, I felt like that analogy came into my head. It's like it's like the, the disciples got to the point where they're they they were satisfied.
0: they That's were satisfied. It's easy to get comfortable.
1: they were satisfied. The, the 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 Messiah was literally with them. He loved them, but he—they were also friends, right? How many of us can say that God was right next to us in right. in living in the flesh. flesh? In the flesh, right? Right. It's the, a they, they could thing. say that, but even they got comfortable with God right next to them because they were okay with falling asleep. Yes, they may have been tired, but they were satisfied in their and. They're walking literally, the God. God <laughs> yeah, walking, walking literally with God, Yeah, walking literally with God. They got satisfied with that. That's yes. the only thing that makes sense to me. That's the only thing so that ma- that makes sense. sense to me that why they were okay with just like not doing whatever they possibly could to stay awake. You know,
0: I think I love the exact wording that they got comfortable literally walking with God. Yeah. How much harder like how much like we really have to be aware like spiritually, like we have to spiritually like you have to consciously do that. But it it's nothing it's not a burden. It's really not. His burden is his yoke is easy, his burden is truly light, but that doesn't mean there's no effort on your part. Yeah. It's still a relationship. So yeah, I just love what you said there. That was just fire.
1: That's that that's that's that thing that's been grazed in my heart. It's like we have all these literal apostles of our time, literal men of God that are so amazing, but literally says we have to be the better generation. We have to, we have to be better. We have to, we have to grow more. We have to like this. We can't slow up just because people have opened the path. If we open the path, why are we not running it? You know? So, if we were done, God would have came back. Yeah.
0: He would have already been here. So, we obviously still got a lot to do. So, I just love exactly what you said there. So, just getting into the meat of the podcast. So, what would be the story of Josiah Rojas, your testimony, your backstory, anything that you're comfortable with sharing? But, what is the story of Josiah Rojas?
1: Well, I guess, like, my, my my story doesn't really start until, like, you know, because you parents, right? Right. My dad's from Cali, Colombia, and my mom is from Apopa, El Salvador. And um then, then my mom, my, my dad came, my dad came legally, but my mom came illegally. My mom had to cross right. the border and do all the things that, you know, that a lot of our people have to do. right And, um you know, like, my mom, my mom, my mom's strong. My mom got here. She she worked for what she had. She got here. She went to UCLA. She became a dental assistant for UCLA. I mean, like, my mom My mom worked for what she had. My mom, yeah. like, had it. And then my dad gets here, and my dad, like, my dad had it too. You know, he was – it was – but my mom came here when she was 14. My dad came, like, around when he was, like, like around 21, 22. So he, like, got to this country. And when he got to this country, I mean, in Colombia, it was the time of, like, when, like – Gang wars, guerrillas, and, okay, and and yeah. like and like drugs are getting really bad. So like, if you're a young person, you're either getting swept up by the army or the other. it's or one way or the other, you know. So, so out of here. So, so it was like I had to get out of here, and um my uncle I think had already fled over over here. Well, my dad. So to put it in perspective, just so no one calls me a liar, my dad doesn't have any siblings. Okay. But he has cousins and best friends, and those cousins and best friends are like my uncles to okay. me, right? So I don't have any uncles on my dad's side of the family, um, and so. But as one of, one of the per- people that was his best friend? I call him my tío Camilo, and okay. um, his mom actually brought him to church, right? Okay. My, yeah, brought him to church, and then he, and then brought my mom to church too, and so. But my mom and dad met, actually, I think it was at either a Colombian or or a a Colombian or El Salvadorian, um, like Independence Day Festival. Okay. And so my dad actually didn't want to go, and my mom ended up being there. Okay. They become best friends after that. Um, They become best friends after that. They start going. My mom um, is going to go to, like, a youth retreat and like mm-hmm. they're getting to know each other at this point this point my dad was like found out that it's not just an all girls retreat there's more guys going right. and so he was like okay i'm not gonna let no one talk to my girl <laughs> so my dad my, my dad was not gonna go but he ended up going and then he the gets motivation. yeah yeah and so i guess like they got there they felt something from god and then um they get back and when when they got married i mean they went full-fledged and Church, no one had to tell my mom how to dress or anything. If you ask her, like she just saw how the sisters were dressing. My mom went up, she went to her, she went the next day, went to a thrift store. She bought a whole bunch of dresses that fit her, some skirts and stuff like that. Went home, got all her pants, and literally threw them away. And she said, I'm going with this like jewelry, all that kind of stuff. Like, my mom, my mom um she has her wedding ring she has her wedding ring and that's like probably the only thing that she has with jewelry yeah. right that's that's literally the only I thing. love what you
0: said there because nobody had to tell her yeah I know same thing with my mom my mom kind of and I think you know as apostolics and our standards of modesty and holiness it's easy for people to like kind of feel the need to like but it's so much more it's 125% better even if you see the need not they ask of course I think there's a time, a lot of people know maybe but it's so much better when you have that conviction for yourself. So that's
1: good to see that she was got that conviction for herself. Uh, that's this, my mom. My mom's always been hardcore with like uh, either raising us or Go all just, in. Like, that's the best way my to mom's be. mom's in it. In it to win it. So is my dad. My dad's they're I guess they're <laughs> they're both like that's why they're made for each other. They're both just like that. Perfect for the kingdom too. Yeah. Yeah. Um so, they, they get to know each other. They get married. My sister Diana is born. Um, they, um, it was either in, I think it was either in San Diego or Long Beach that they lived for a little while. My sis, And then um, my dad goes, um, is working in refineries. And then he has to move uh, his job to Antioch, California, which is literally like eight, seven hours away. Yes. Cause- and so, my dad would, would drive. I, 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 it was either on the weekends he would come back, or he would drive every day.
0: But he it would go. Crazy. He would go to work. Right? That'd be hard nowadays. He would go to yes. work, right?
1: So he was just gone. Yes. And so he'd get there. He he'd work. Sometimes he'd stay in a hotel. Sometimes he'd come home. Um. But like it got to the point where they're like, "We just can't do this anymore." So they moved. So they moved to Antioch, and that's where um there was a pastor named Pastor Limanis, which is our bishop, and he was starting a church. And so they started going there and it was inside of a Sunday school room of another church and then their church grew and then they had another Sunday school room next to that Sunday school room and they let them expand. So they broke that wall and they expanded their church. And Well, it got to the Everybody's point where the church was like, Hey man, <laughs> you guys are getting too big. You guys got to go get your own building. They say, you're so, not going to um, be bigger than us. So at that wow. point, my sister Paula was born and my, my dad, my dad, started as you know a deacon and he was he would clean the church he would if if pastor told him to do something he did it and he he eventually became a pastor assistant and i mean to and at that and at that point he was still he didn't stop doing what he was doing just because he was a pastor assistant he did everything the deacons did but and he also cleaned the church my dad's a pastor now. He does the same exact thing. He's he he'll go. He'll still greet people, and he'll go and clean the church whenever there is a chance. I have many times have we gone for our our youth prayers in the mornings, and my dad is already there, and he's cleaning not only the sidewalk of our church, but he also goes across the street and he'll clean the sidewalk of another church. And wow, that's good. Because our church, the way the where where it's at, there's about six or seven other churches. And just within that block, awesome. that's just Church Street. That's <laughs> Church Street right there. Yeah. So, um, eventually, there's a small group forming in Oakland, and um, that that group was uh, it was getting bigger. And there was a brother there that was helping out, um, but uh, he he had I, for, I forget what what happened, but um, basically um, they needed somebody there, um, and that brother wasn't able to help anymore, and so my dad. Um, while they're in the meeting he says, Hey, there's there's like a good group of people over there, someone's gotta go and my bishop stands up and he says, Well, you spoke, so now you're gone <laughs> And my dad's like, Why did I open my mouth? That's how it works. I probably learned to be still no <laughs> It's like it's like it's it's it was crazy because like he he basically had to move not only to another city, but he had to move to Oakland. Oh yeah. Oh, that this just wasn't it, you know? Right. It was not it. Oakland's rough. Oakland's yeah. so tough. And so, um, I mean, he, my dad, if the only thing he he would ever do is listen to his pastor, no matter what he says, he'll do it. Submission so, is how it works. so he said, my obedience, I'll go and I'll help out this church. Not as a pastor, just going and someone to help lead. Right. That's it. And so the church started picking up some speed and it started getting bigger and bigger. And then he got to a point where his boss of his company, his boss, he he went from being just like uh, just like entry entry level to a foreman to like one of the main supervisors of of Big shell bear. of like shell and arco right. Okay. And so like he was like he was up there in refineries. My if my dad would have just worked in refineries for like twenty more years, he could have been sitting in an office and he would have just had everything. But that at that day that. That man came up to him and he asked him, you're either going to work in refineries or you're going to go be a pastor. And that man asked him that question, knowing my dad and knowing what he was going to say. So he gave us two weeks and he's been a pastor ever since that day. Um, Hey, trust in God, though, because God's the one that gave him
0: that. I think a lot of people forget, like, God is the reason why you have the favor to advance that far. Why not trust him no matter what it looks like? Yeah to the gap period. He he got a plan for you. He's blessed you pretty good so far. Keep trusting him. So,
1: know. um so at this point I, my sister Diane is there and then my dad my dad's was working refineries and my sister Paula's born inside of, inside of like that church in Oakland and I mean and by the time by the time I was born, we had already moved to our church in Sunkiss Oakland right? That's Sunken Street. And it's, I mean, it, it was, it was a nice church while we had it, but we were there. And, um, I, you know, what's crazy is I'm, I'm 21 and I still remember that church. I was born at that church, but I still remember that church. Right. I still remember the brown carpet with the red pews and everything. And I, like, I still, I still remember that church. I still remember the, there was a Sunday school classroom that we had that had a broken window. And you could actually, <laughs> yeah. you, no, it was literally like like someone threw a rock Oh, through. no, that's And nice. so the kids would like climb through it. We would all climb Y'all through it. Through the and window. there was a broken like playset in the back. And we'd play on that playset. We would have somebody hold one of the legs that didn't, that weren't, that couldn't touch the ground. Someone else and someone else would swing on it. And whenever you'd switch. Yeah, that would sounds have like a go good time as a top. kid I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the ghetto, right? <laughs> and like my friend lived literally right behind the church. Right, so we cut a hole. We either cut a hole in the fence or we jumped it. But we would go, and his stepdad had um, car parts and just like other stuff laying around. And we would go and set up these goals and play soccer over there. And when church was over and we heard the music play, we would run back to church inside the building. And you know we're that's like full dirt roads. There was no grass at all. It was just all dirt. And so you know we're getting there, and we're just like we're acting like we're little angels and our pants are all messed up and my shirts were all messed up my mom did not buy any brand new clothes when i was a kid because that stuff was gonna get wrecked <laughs> She was like you know what forget it you can <laughs> <laughs> she said this kid is too expensive um yeah i mean like i mean like i would go through shoes like no tomorrow payless was my best friend <laughs> um yeah so have payless or did they close nah, all of I, them I, down? Think, I think payless shut down yeah it was, it was pretty work- well I say it's recent. It felt recent. Man, I don't know. But Payless was—I don't know—it was it. Whenever my mom was like, "Let's go get shoes," like you knew you were going to Payless. I, I remember that we used to go to Payless all the time. Um. So that's kind of that's that's where I was born. When I was born, I was a all, all literally all my siblings, all of us, even even my nephew and nieces—they're were all premature.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I was born. I think I believe six months premature so i almost died when i was born and so um yeah so i mean like my my dad wasn't wasn't going to be there and then he went from preaching he went straight back to the hospital after he was done preaching just to come while i was being born right so Mm -hmm. my, my dad my dad literally doesn't matter what god comes first and you know he i his wife is in labor. Of course, he's right. nervous. So he goes and he preaches. He comes back while well, mom's still in labor. I'm born and um, I'm there. And you know, it was it was hard to see because you know finally he was gonna have a boy. But not only that, it was like like my son might pass away because yeah. like as soon as I was born, you know, I got put into machines and everything on. Me. Right. Like I have a baby Scary picture moment. of like you, one of those preemie boxes where like you can't touch them because right. like, basically on life support. Um, but, um, yeah, so, uh, like God has, from the day I was born, has had his animal, right? And it's, it's, it's always, it's always amazing to feel that and to see that, um, from, from, from that point on, I mean, we were at Sunkist and our church started growing there and we rented from a Baptist pastor and that pastor's church wasn't wasn't too big. Didn't really feel the sanctuary there. But we 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 didn't feel the sanctuary at all when we first got there. Mm-hmm. But by the time we were we were over, we were in their overflow, you know.
0: And that really? pastor
1: that pastor got mad. And uh, I mean, not, that black. pastor that pastor got very mad that our church was getting bigger than his, and so he kicked us out of that building. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so this is like the second building, I think,
0: that you guys said that you guys like outgrew.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we, we, yeah, so that that, that church we got kicked out of. Church ain't a building, though. Yeah, yeah. That it's church, a group, but it yeah, ain't a building. Yeah, so, that, so we get, get kicked out of that church. So for about six months, we're having church in a park, like a legit park and we would do we would do soccer we would do church soccer tournaments and then there's like food after that and hey. man i'm telling you bro that was i'm yeah we didn't have it we didn't have a building but that 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 park was lit <laughs> I was bet, it especially
0: it. being younger i bet you really like that
1: yeah yeah of course i mean you're going you're who, who doesn't like love like right. going to church worshiping god and then right after that going to play like soccer with all the brothers and sisters right and just like and just after that you're having like And like all this other food that the sisters make too.
0: That's and it was was
1: cool too because it was cool too because even while we're at Sunkiss and we didn't know that what was going on, once we got to that park, we raised funds to be able to get to the church, you know? Right. And there was like there were so many people that got saved at that park. It was it was ridiculous. You guys do baptisms there too. Um you know, (laughs) we we baptized people, but that was the first time I think we ever bought a horse trough. And, and like we would we would go and we would fill it up and people would get baptized there and that horse trough is we still have it actually we still have it it's inside of our daughter work um, and it's uh, that, that horse trough I am telling you it's just sticking within the family it's not going anywhere I love that <laughs> that's where that's where I got baptized um, so we get so we have and there's this masonic temple in Oakland we had no idea what it was. We get there and we see this building and it's for sale, and it's the price where we it's the price we got. You know, that's really? like we're like we, we, well, actually it was a little bit more expensive, and we're like we don't got that money. We got this is what we got. They accept it, and we get this building. And I'm telling you, the foundations were broken, but it's what we could afford. And there was and there was a couple brothers and uh, brothers in the church that had um that worked with the company, and they get these industrial jacks. And they go and they start drilling in and they start, and we start putting new foundations into the church. Right. Mm-hmm. We start drilling into them, putting rebar and all that kind of stuff. I remember as a kid getting put it, put into like a five gallon bucket, pouring in cement into those big holes and just packing them down. You know? <laughs> it's like, it's like, so, so that, I mean, we had a scaffolding that would go all the way to the top of the building, just making the church look presentable. And, um, Man, I it's a it, it's a long story. I could probably talk two days about it if I go mm-hmm. if I go like into detail. But um, the church, like that that church that we're at right now, mm-hmm. I mean we're 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 basically outgrowing. We're getting to like three services, right? That's great. And so That's and so we're we're at that point where we need a new building, mm-hmm. but we love what we got because we we, yeah, you put we made it. We built it. tears yeah into that but that makes it mean so much more yeah. honestly like when when I when I look at when I look back home and I look at my church it means so much more than me that that building that building yeah there the church the church is the people yes but we also understand that that building is also our home right right. That, that it was through the people it was made. Through so. the, through the people it was made. It, you mean like people that have become pastors in other countries when they come back, when they come back and they see what we've done with the place. I mean, they literally cry because they remember everything that they did here. Right. It's it's and it, they go back home, they go back home to their churches again, and they and they and they preach the gospel even stronger before sometimes. Um, mm. so that's I mean, like my church, that's. That's like, that's, that's my dad's baby, but like, it's also like, it's, it's, it's my home. That's like, I already said that, but yeah. I
0: love that. There's so much stuff that you said. First of all, I didn't know it was a Masonic temple that y'all got, so that's a big spiritual change
1: that went on right there, but God well, provided Well, we didn't know either, so it was actually, it's, it's a very, very old building. It's like built in the 1800s, and we're going, and we're breaking the tile, and the central lobby mm-hmm. and more we're going and breaking the tile we go and we start peeling everything instead of breaking everything mm-hmm. and it unfolds and it's this i mean, it's beautiful it's not our religion but it's beautiful mm-hmm. it's it's laid out it's laid out on the floor with beautiful tiles and we asked the city and it's like it's historical landmark so i mean we were asking them like do you guys want to take it and they're like no just cover it up and so we just we just poured cement over it and it, i'm I, actually, I don't know. I don't, I don't fully remember if we, if we, if they took it out or if they covered it. But sure. I, I, I do believe it's still there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
0: that's still crazy though. It's for Jesus now. Yeah. And then there's some other stuff too, like just the story of your parents too, like just that random meetup. You know, all things really work together for the good. God has a plan through all that. But I really wanted to emphasize what you talked about with your dad throughout the whole situation, his whole life just that servanthood because as you elevate, you're really taking on more and people thinking you're just going to have this job, push that aside, have this job, push that aside. Like, no, your responsibilities are growing. Yeah. It's not about, you know, just growing one way. You're really growing another way. That's why you have to go deeper, you know, have that foundation and yeah. that humility and not get a high head because there's going to be nothing to hold you up. You're going to, as a pastor, you know, we see, first of all, you had to have some real resiliency, but as a pastor, if nobody's cleaning the toilet, guess whose job that is. If nobody's doing it. And even if somebody's there to do it, you know, mm-hmm. you still have to be willing to do that. Yeah. Anyway. So I really loved what you talked about throughout that whole entire story. Very inspiring. And like, I,
1: I know I emphasize a lot
0: of my dad, but it was it was my mom and my dad, you know? Right. They're, and that's the thing. You're, you're what you said right there. Your wife can make or break, and I mean break and tear it up from the t- floor up, floor up for the floor up. <laughs> but like you said, you guys, that was another thing I actually wrote down too. Just talking about your parents, both of your parents' attitude, your mom and your dad. They came here, they got everything together, but also they were they had that all in attitude. I know one of the episodes I made recently about Paul's conversion. One thing I think a lot of people don't notice about Paul before he was converted. Even though he was, he thought he was serving God, first of all. But two, not only was he thinking he served God, but what he believed, he was all in for it. He was all in in the wrong direction, but he was all in. And I think one thing we forget is that no matter where we're at in life, it's about our heart. That's the issue. God's not looking at your abilities, what you look like, or anything like that. He's looking at your heart at the end of the day. So as long as you have that all in mentality, like, God, I'm going to go all in for you. We see how that worked
1: out. There's a journey to it. But, yeah. you know, and I know, I know you're you're understanding that now with your parents also pastoring. Yes, it's like it, it almost feels like your life switches. It 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 did happen yeah. I, for a lot of people. It feels like your life switches, you know, and um, and I, I I like how uh, my parents had that balance. They had that balance between um, like letting us be kids. Even though it felt like we had to grow up faster, yeah, you know, and you know we still were allowed to do all of our stuff in high school and play sports and do all the things a kid could do, but we also, in all that, with <laughs> everything the church had going on, you know, God is first. Right. God is first. God is first. And that's in everything. that's one
0: thing that everybody must keep in mind. You can let your kids do some stuff, but if you get rid of that God is first thing. I don't care if they go to church all the time. You know they're not gonna. If you you don't get that in their mentality, they're not gonna stick with it, or they're gonna end up having a hard time yeah. because that's just completely needed. But before before I transition in this podcast, I do want to ask a question. Which you haven't heard this podcast before, having this is perfect. That's actually good. So I have a question that I ask every single interview, but. You're gonna have about five seconds to answer this question. All right. Are you ready? Okay. Alright. So you have a Solomon encounter. God comes to you and asks what whatever you want, you can have it. What would you ask? Five. Four.
1: Three. Two. Like I guess in my life, I would just want to have that deep, deep connection. A deep connection. I just, I just want to have that. I just want to have that one-on-one relationship, like that that, Moses. That's like that. While I'm sleeping. Yes, in your dreams. While I'm sleeping. While while my whole life is going on, I know that God is literally right next to me. Yes, and it's it's hard
0: to feel that sometimes. You know, I really love that answer because. And I will say personally, I have started paying attention more to uh, we have an episode coming out. I'll just go put this plug in right here. We do have an episode that I have been waiting to release. We have quite a few stuff lined up before that, but we will be talking about dreams and stuff like that eventually because we overlook that we're in this. And so there'll be visions and dreams. But as I was talking about, you know, as you start to pay attention, it's like God is in everything. I mean, now I'm not saying just because you had a dream that it always is from God, but As you start to get that deeper connection, you start to realize, you know, oh, he's communicating to me. Like, I've even seen some stuff happen before it happened or even saw some things symbolically um, between friendships and relationships through dreams. But that's just the dream aspect. But, you know, just that I do covet that, you know, that deep walk of God. And every time I feel like something like different, it's just like, thank God, like, you know, I'm growing in grace. Yeah. That is something that
1: it's very good. I think I take on like, like, kind of like translating. When you translate for somebody, you're basically want to be that person for the crowd that you're interpreting for, right? right. And I think that's 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 the connection I want to have with God. I want to be God. I I, I want sorry I don't wanna <laughs> you don't want to be God. No, I want I want to be <laughs> that just I want to be God speaking to people. And at all times. At at all times. I want I want I want I wanna have that relationship. I wanna have that that lifestyle. And then I know it I know it takes work and I'm not and I'm not the kind of person that's like just gonna back down because it's hard. Right.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. A lot of people <laughs> I know we also have some stuff coming out talking about this too, but like some people I don't think they realize what they're praying for when they pray for a ministry. But like especially when you pray for something like if you pray for you know, oh, I want to be a prophet. I want to be an apostle. When that prophet level attack comes to you, or that prophet, you know, you have to be prepared for that. And I think a lot of people want the power without the responsibility, because there's a lot of responsibility of prayer, yeah. of habits. You know, They want the power without the prayer. Yeah. You're going to get, like, you're not only not going to make it, you could actually get destroyed yeah. by doing that. Like, the the demons do not play. The fallen angels will not play with you as you start to. So you yeah. really have to be grounded in God. You cannot be struggling with sin, like just the same old same old stuff. Like, no, you have to as you said, be ready. You have to put the work in. You know, if God wakes you up at three o'clock it's time to get up at three o'clock and pray, you know. If he wants you to stay up you know, that that might not be every night but some of, you need to be ready instant, in season, out of season. That's not always even just in ministry. That's in your connection with God. If he wants to talk to you now, you need to be ready now. So I just love what you said right there. So, segue and get back into the uh, rest of this podcast. What about your ministry? What is your ministry about, and how did you come about into doing the different things that you're passionate and have a burden for? So, um, you know, honestly,
1: I I know everyone like has a ministry, and I I don't know what to call my right? Cause
0: you do a variety of different well, things. Well,
1: yeah, and you know that's um, and that's kind of that's kind of the way that you know we grew up, right? Like my sister Paula, she's an amazing administrator. She's an amazing singer. She is when it comes to like fi- financial and like all this other stuff, like she does an amazing job, and she can just and if and just organizing programming, um, decorating, all this kind of stuff. Like my sister Paula is just a brilliant mind when it comes to that, right? Yeah. And that's like, she's taken that, she's taken that concept and she's used it at work, but she's also used it at church and that's why um, we help, that's why we help like that. Um, And then with me, it's like my dad has, has also wanted the same thing, you know, like we're multi-tools. Like, no, you're not, you're not gonna be a preacher right right you're gonna be a translator you're gonna be you're gonna be a person that helps if there is construction going on at the church you are going to be there it is right. not a question you are there that's that you are, are I think we focus so much on a title right of what something yes, that's is so good. and we focus so much on that that we lose the potential of us being able to be used in so many different areas. So yeah, yeah I preach I sometimes. But most of the time if you ever seeing me somewhere, I'm mostly translating. I'm mostly interpreting. It's that's that's like that's if I'm if I if I'm at a conference, at a youth event in California, I'm most likely working in media. I'm most likely doing something there, right? And it's because, yeah. and it's because um, I understand that there's a need that is not, that is no, not on you, the pulpit. You, I was writing it down as you were saying <laughs> what's needed.
0: That uh, I know I heard a preacher, I don't remember who said it. I want to say it Gerald Jefferson. I went on a marathon after I figured out who he was. But he said, blessed are the flexible. You know, I, I used to get in trouble when I was younger because I'd be like, you know, it's not my time to, you know. It's not. I'm not the dog feeder or something like that. Like <laughs> I used to, and I used to like subcontract out my chores and stuff like that. But it's just like you have to be flexible. You know, you're not, and you may be the preacher. You know, you may be the preacher, but like we like we said earlier, you have to be flexible. What is needed in the kingdom? What is needed? That's what needs to be done. Yeah, and it's like we.
1: Yes, we need preachers, we need prophets, we need apostles. We need people that know how to work too. Yeah. We need people that could do both. I mean, we need we need churches that have people that can work on, can work on the pulpit, singing, preaching, and we need the same exact person to be able to go the next day and go and help whenever there's a deep cleaning at the church or something.
0: And that's what a and, lot of
1: churches lack. And, you know, like that's, and it's, and it's hard. I've actually, I've loved the experience of being here at CLC and the environment that you guys have. I mean... You guys have people that, yeah, they work, they they sing, and they do stuff right. on the pulpit. But whenever a pastor says, "Hey, we got to do some stuff," like you know, everyone's there, and you know that's why I feel like it's been so hard being away from home because your guys' church, like, it's just like it just feels like mine so much, you know. Yes. And um, and um, yeah, so it's 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 been crazy. It's it's been a it's definitely been an adventure, but. When it comes to my ministry, I, I don't, I'm, I have, I have no title, and I have no desire for one.
0: I love that. I'm about to put that in one of the quotes when, when we post the stuff for this episode. I have no t- title, and I have no desire for one. I just love the way that was put. Um, I also want to elaborate what you said about the church too. I know I've been to a couple different churches growing up. Yeah. This is my main church, so I've been. At this church while I've helped at other churches uh, with my dad as his ministry. So I think it was interesting how that ended up working out. and He eventually became a pastor, not part of the plan. Um, But also I've been to other churches to where people do not have the same mentality. They do not have the same desire to do what's flexible and what's needed. I just do this. And then some Some people just won't even show up. And I'm like, for me, I'm like, just kick them off. We don't like we don't need you that bad. But that's just my mentality. Uh, But it's important, you know, for everybody, not just the pastor, not just the singer, not just the player, but everybody. Maybe you don't do any of that stuff, but you need it for the kingdom. I know I love Mark Morgan's little philosophy that I've been hearing in some of his preaching, talking about the slight difference between working for the church, a ministry, a title, Versus working for the kingdom, it's it's there's a difference. But we have to be willing to work beyond just what is labeled ministry. And what does God want us to do? And maybe some people may count something as success. You know, oh, you went here and you baptized three hundred people. That's nice. But if God told you to go into the prayer room and you went into that, those people that got baptized, you know, who knows what's going to happen with them? But you didn't do what God wanted you to do. You did not put the kingdom first and then say seek first the church. Seek first the ministry of so seek first the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So I love what you said about being flexible and all that. So just to kind of tie everything back in, how would you say if you were to describe it from your own perspective, as this podcast is about discipleship being fishes and men, the bros, how would you say your life is like a disciple?
1: Um uh, you know, Jesus called us to make disciples. And I feel that whether you like it or not, you always will have somebody, a best friend, somebody next to you, that is, um, that you may not call a disciple, but you have an influence on them. Right. You have an influence on their life. You you you, are the reason why that person is the way it is, and that person and you are because a reason why that you. <laughs> The reason why you are is because of the way that person is. You know, you you feed off of each other. Um, For me, like, I know my best friend, Johnny. I mean, if there's anybody that's been next to me my entire life, it's been my friend, Johnny. And, um, I mean, when he works, when he works in media at the church, you know, he, he, he takes whatever he can to make it absolutely the best. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you know like I, I love him so much and i know that when it came to discipleship in my life um i've always started with mine I always started with my dad you know mm-hmm. my dad my dad's father-son relationship with me and him has always been strong and you know he's taken me under his wing and taught me a lot of what he knows definitely not everything because man he knows a lot yes <laughs> um but uh i've 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 tried my best to understand everything that he has and that's that's one of his one of his major teachings is discipleship because of how right. important it is
0: and that goes beyond as we even mentioned just quote unquote ministry you need to be a friend of that person yeah it's so often it breaks my heart honestly to see people who oh let's get you and let's get you and let's get you baptized let's get we need to do that but then boom you're good now like no Literally, baptism is like almost, a, it's a literal, it's the, almost, it is a literal representation of a new birth. You're letting a baby, <laughs> you're leaving a baby out to die by doing that. And so many times we let babies die. Yeah. Um, now, not saying that God can't work with that person after they're baptized, but so many times we just let babies just live. And it's just like, you would never do that with the, you want to just go to the hospital, to deliver a baby, and be like, okay, here's the keys and we'll see you. You know, like, no, like you need to be there
1: through yeah, the steps.
0: So was just like, but something just doesn't seem to click with a lot of us. Um, so like you said, discipleship is so important. I know the one of the, I think it was the second episode of this season. I talked about how the Great Commission, we say it, but we don't really pay attention to the fact that it said go make disciples baptizing and then teach them. It's a teach at the beginning of the Great Commission in Matthew, and it's a teach at the end. You cannot just leave. You have to teach. You have to be the disciple. You have to invest, and it takes some time. There's going to be times when you don't want to do it. You feel like they should already know something. You still have to be there for them. You still have to be that disciple, learner, and teach people how to be a follower of Christ. I actually,
1: I'm, I'm, um, my whole life, I, I, I understood the concept of it. I never had a full grasp on it until I went to Bible college, mm-hmm. um, and while I was there, it was it was it, it's it's been a it's been a hard time for me while I've been there. It has. Um, I've 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 loved the experience that I've had there, and I love the change that I had there. But um, I, I, I went back home while at this internship for the conference in in Reno, um, and um and. My, my my favorite teacher, my, one of, one of my most amazing friends and um, basically like the only the only mentor I've ever had um, in my entire life um, showed up and and I, I, I explained to him I explained to him that if it wasn't if it wasn't for him at Bible College that first semester when he sat me down in his office and just talked to me, I mm-hmm. probably would have left. I wouldn't have stayed my fir- my full 4 years. Not and, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be where I'm at with my walk in God if it wasn't for him taking me by his side and just helping me out and just talking to me and just just listening to me. It's been um, and him and his wife have just like been absolutely amazing, you know. Life changing. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, you know he's, he's he's literally one of the greatest people that I've ever had in my life, and um, you know I've had uh, and and you know recently I've had some people start come up to me and wanting to be friends and and um and you know like and it's been it's I've had grew some good great relationships but there's there's something pure when a person comes to you. When a person comes to you in love and understanding that you're struggling, you're going through it, right. but I'm gonna be there right next to you. That right there, and, not, we, and I'm, I'm not just for the finished product. product. And I'm gonna help you grow. Yes, you know, you know he he has helped me grow. He has helped me grow while I've been at Bible College.
0: Yes, and one thing I just wrote down as you were saying that is discipleship. It goes beyond just the new convert. Yeah. It also goes for the people who are because a disciple is a learner and a follower, you never stop following Christ and you never stop learning. There's so much to learn. So when you see somebody who's your fellow brother or sister in Christ and they're struggling, like, or, you know, you may have just met somebody who's in the church baptized all that, but they need help, you know, we need to be there. We need to be aware of that because it's very easy for us to overlook. And I know. There's been times where I felt overlooked, you know. There's been times where I've seen other people overlooked, but part of me is grateful for the times when I felt like that because it's just like you need to make sure everybody feels involved. Yeah. You need to make sure everybody feels loved, because if you don't, if they don't feel loved, that leaves an opening for bitterness, and bitterness will destroy everything in a person's life, everything. So I really just love what she said about how you even felt discipleship. Yeah. Being in the church, you grew up in the church, but and I know we've talked privately about some other stuff about that, but there's so much growth that you can get from somebody who's just willing to invest. So that's yeah. part of what
1: we're, being a disciple is investing into somebody else. And then there's also a difference between someone being your parent, being right. a pastor, growing up as a pastor's kid, and then being like, you know, your spiritual leader and everything yes. in your life, and actually having somebody that. That you they have no obligation they have, have no, no obligation in them being there for you and helping you with your walking God. yes I love what you said there
0: um, so would you have a specific tip or nugget that you would give when it comes to not just being a disciple but what people should do from what you've learned anyway for life and ministry, based off of some of the stuff that you said, what would be a nugget that you would get to somebody?
1: Um, like, no, not not even like. Just, I feel like my generation, they just, there's so many of them that just want to give everything given to them. Mm, exactly. So many of us that just want us to be given to us, you know, and. We, we go to all these conferences and all these places and you know it takes preparation and there's people and it's needed just just help yes. like you want you if you if, you know what man of God inside of your districts really see? Do you know what it is that they really appreciate when every single year they're going to put an event and they have this man that comes up to them and when they're finally going to start preparing it, and say, give a text to their leader, say, hey, Pastor, I know that you're going to start planning for the conference. I just want to let you know, anything that you need, I will be there for. Yes. You know, that, that means a lot more than that person that came up one year and preached on the pulpit. Amen. You make a lot more of an impact inside of your districts, inside of your, inside of your regions. For the kingdom in general. For the large. kingdom in general. If you just if you will just go out of your way to help. That's that's the only reason. I, I'm not I'm not even a licensed minister, but I've gotten to do a lot of things that licensed ministers have gotten to do. Why? Because I'm there and I'm willing to help. And the thing
0: is, and this is kind of just dropped in my mind as you were saying this, even though it's not necessarily new, but the way it's said is, nobody wants to do that secret work, but they'll never get the secret reward. We know uh, when... In Matthew, as it talks about the Lord's Prayer and it talks about before that, you know, you need to do that because what the Father sees the secret, he will reward you for openly. But yet some, for some reason, we think that only applies to our prayer life. Yeah. No, that applies to everything. You know, you have to be willing to be the background guy. You have to be willing to help, as we mentioned earlier, be flexible, help where it is needed. And, you know, sometimes you have to, sometimes it's obvious and sometimes you need to put yourself out there, like, hey. You know, I know you're doing something, you know, you may not have thought to ask me, you know, not necessarily, you know, a lot of people do that for preaching or something like that, but
1: like, no, if you need help cleaning this or setting something up, you know, if I have time, you know, I I should be available to help. You know, and I've made some amazing friends over the years by just, just being a part of the crew that's helping. If it's like, if it's after a youth convention, they just need to like align the chairs or just like clean stuff, you know, just... Or just, like, tidy stuff up. Like, I've made amazing friends from just that. And, you know, just still have those friendships today. (laughs) And that's part of that reward. Yeah.
0: Something that you probably didn't even think about, signing up to do that. Yeah. Part of that reward. And then you've also got connections to do the same things that people wanted to do, if not much more. But it was through your willingness to do the stuff that nobody wants to do. Yeah. I don't think I don't know if people just don't see that connection. <laughs> it's very, I mean, but it's needed. You know, you need to be humble. You need to. Be so, um, if this is going to be one of the last questions on here, but if you were a philosopher, so I don't know, philosopher real high, I don't know what you would want to call yourself. Uh, but if you were a philosopher, what would you say your life philosophy would be? Man, I I don't know.
1: It's like, get to work, I guess. <laughs> get to work. Get I absolutely work. like that. If you, if you feel like you're not doing
0: anything, you're doing something wrong. Right. Yeah. You should know, at least. Because, you know, you may not be doing anything that people see. Yeah. But we always need to be doing something. If you're not doing if you if God is not giving you anything, every opportunity is closing. That means you need to get in the prayer room. Yeah. You know, there's always something to do or somewhere to invest in. Now, I'm not saying that means you never rest. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm saying at all, but there's always work to do. Yeah. We have labor that we have to do and we willing to do, writing to do. And I know one thing I noticed as I was reading recently is when you read where it talks about the harvest is ready, but the workers are few, pray that I send laborers. The same Lord of the harvest is the Lord of the laborers. So we need to first of all be willing to do our work. You know, but, and that's one thing that makes me. I would be real with you. It's, I've grown to be very angry with this form and line of theology as I start to learn it, learn about it. But that legalism thing, like, oh, because I, I remember I was talking to one person and they were like, I was starting to get legalistic with my prayer life, and I'm like, huh? Like, no, sir. <laughs> <laughs> like,. No, we like we have like we're saved by grace. Yes, but it's grace through faith. Faith is dead without works. It's not about our ability or that we were able to do something, but we still have to be willing to be obedient. Yeah, and to do work, we still have to be. We're going to be rewarded for our work. It's not that oh because I worked this is why I am where I am. Mean, but it, I mean, in a way, it is. But it's because you were willing to be obedient. It's not because you were it, because of your ability per se. There's always work. To do. So well as we come to a close I would like to have uh Brother Josiah close us out with prayer.
1: Uh, yeah. Um mm. and you know I, I I really appreciate this. I think uh, a lot of questions that you're asking today I haven't ever like thought about either. Like it was, I, good. I it was good. It was on it was the good. spot it was uh, it was crazy. I know uh, he uh, he tried that. Uh, um, bringing in the questions before but I mean I, I didn't even read them <laughs> but uh, it was um so I'm and it what you have going on here is amazing so um, I really just want to ask God to just bless this ministry you have going on and and you know hopefully it, it'll not only just become something but it'll, it'll explode and help people's lives as well was, so in the name of Jesus, God, I ask you to please bless this man of God right here. God, bless, bless Amani Jesus, bless this ministry that he has, this podcast right here, the Biscaylo Bros. God, I ask you to bless him, God, and everything that he's doing, Lord. Lord, I also ask you to take his heart. And then anybody that comes on this podcast will understand that this is a man that just wants to touch people's lives. He just wants to reach out to them. He just wants them to be changed. And if, if this podcast has any word by any person that comes on here and speaks, that it will just be a help to them, that it will just be a it will just be a renewing for them in the name of Jesus, God. I ask you to bless him, Lord, and bless his podcast, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus. Amen. So
0: before we come to a close, I'm going to leave them out with a good note. So one final question for you. What vision do you have for the future? For your life, for ministry, or even just for the world at large?
1: I see, I've I've actually, I've had this for a while. I see young ministers that are going to come and they're going to take their ground and they're going to take their spiritual authority over the places that they're at and they will make an impact throughout the whole world Amen This next generation there's so few people that want work That makes it so much easier for God to find those hearts who do. Amen.
0: I I, I, like what you said there. You know, in the midst of the darkness, the light shines brighter.
1: So those who are willing. For the young people that, and for anybody that's listening, if you will just open your heart and just be a part of what God really wants to do in this time, God will not only use you He will change everybody around you. He will make an impact in your cities and your regions. God is calling it and he is saying it through so many people right now. The vision that I have is just that young people will just wake up and just be radical for this movement of God. And I'm seeing it, you know, I'm starting to see,
0: you know, we're seeing a drop falling away too, unfortunately. But in the midst of that, we're seeing, you know, young people being used in ways like almost never before. So I really love what you said there in that vision. I do believe that's in accordance to God's will. Uh, So before we go to a close of this episode, I want to say thank you so much to brother Josiah for coming on to this podcast. Like I said, we've grown to be really friends, great friends. And this guy, I, I promise you super humble guy, but also this guy, I remember there's one event and this was actually one a life changing moment for me, honestly, but he prayed for me now, I'm not saying this it's your, your power. But he had come up to me and prayed, prayed for me at a conference and told me some life changing stuff. I came up to him afterwards to talk about it and he was like, I said that? And I'm like, dude, you're just open for God, just know that you're open for God. And I don't know if you see everything or how closely, you know, you are walking with God and it may not feel like that, but God is using you and he's used you to change some major things in my life. But once again, I'm really grateful to have him on. And I thank every single one of you guys for listening and just be in tune for the next few episodes that are coming up here soon. We will be having many more guest episodes with many dynamic young people. But continue praying, continue seeking. And just remember the concept we learned, to be flexible, to go all in for the kingdom. But once again, we thank you guys all for joining on this podcast and we will have you the next time. But until then, God bless.